Hello and welcome to the Gemcast. I'm your host, Alex Knight, and this is episode 7. Today I'm joined by Aline Sims, founder of the Less Than or Equal podcast, and science fiction writer Kay Tempest Bradford. In episode 7, Star Bright, part 2, Colliding Stars, Bonnie will go blind if she doesn't undergo expensive eye surgery within the next few weeks. Unfortunately, Jerrica's financial options are limited after she learns that Eric Raymond used the money from Starlight Music to promote the Misfits. Her only option is for Gem and the Holograms to finish making Starbright, but that won't be easy now that the Misfits are in complete control over the production. Stay tuned for an action-packed episode. Well, anyways, let's talk about episode seven. So this is uh, part two of Starbright. I lied when I said we should talk about something happy because opening on a rather somber note, uh, Jerrica is presented with shocking news that an experimental laser eye surgery for Bonnie will cost $250,000. So I looked that up to find out what it would be in 2015 American dollars. Any guesses? Uh, I'm going to say 700000 Oh, it's uh, about 550000 So you overshot, but not like that much, considering. How is Jerrica going to raise the capital? Well, she's going to do what she tried to do at the very beginning of this, this whole series, which is go to Starlight Music to get some money from them. And it's going to work out for her just about the same way. <laughs> Seems like a, a, a good plan, right? I mean, nothing could go wrong. Mm-mm. No. Surely not. And of course, wanting to spare Bonnie the um, the concern, she, she tells her that her eyes are going to be just fine, which, you know, I, I, it seemed appropriate. Um, you wouldn't want to frighten an eight-year-old girl that, you know, she's going to lose her vision forever. So good call on that, Jerrica. We're uh, at the Starlight House now, and the holograms are brainstorming on how they can raise money for Bonnie's operation. And naturally, Starlight Music, like you said, is uh, the most obvious source of that money. But they are in for a big surprise when they make their way to Starlight Music, only to discover a rather empty lobby and a man moving boxes of important documents, I can only assume. And uh, Kimber actually says, This place is like a tomb! Going back to that running joke about how there's no one working at Starlight Music. But there's proof now. There is nobody there. But we do get to see a Joni, who is, I guess, random employee. Have we been explained before what her role is? I, I don't remember. It seems like she's Eric Raymond's secretary, administrative assistant, as we call them today. So, of course, the uh, the holograms uh, demand to know what's going on, and um, we discover that Starlight Music has not been paying their bills. And Joni explains to Jerrica that she did try to warn her, but the phone company, unfortunately, had disconnected the phone lines. But this <laughs> because doesn't make was... any sense. This doesn't make any sense. Joni said, I tried to call and call you. Well, you know where she lives. Because it's that big mansion on that one street where everybody knows where that mansion is. Drive somewhere, Joni. 
drive some. Maybe, you know, on her salary, Joni cannot afford a car and the bus was out of service. <laughs> well, and not only that, but Have it's a like heart. Come on. Public transit's not the greatest. Oh, God. It's like there's no notice, right? It's just like suddenly they turned the phones off. They didn't give us any kind of warning. Right. It takes, it does take months for things like that to happen. Right. And they, and so once again, we come upon how Jerrica is really bad at business because they have literally not been back to Starlight Music for months, but they go there to get some money. But it's like, who did you think was running Starlight Music? Like you said, you're going to make your father proud. You haven't set foot in that building for months. And she knows that Eric is there. So, I mean, what does she exactly expect to happen? And uh, so this is where it gets strange to me because Joni uh, shares a startling revelation that uh, the majority of the company's money has been diverted to promotion for the Misfits by, of course, Eric Raymond. And Jerrica is shocked by this, but it ha- has Eric not been covering his trails? Because she just shows him this piece of paper like, oh, look, here's where the money's been going. So, And nobody <laughs> noticed this? Is there no one auditing the stuff in the finance department? Do they even have a finance department? Mm-mm. They do not have a finance department. And proof of that comes just, I think, one season later when Jerrica has to stay in the office in that one episode to do the entire company's taxes. She's doing corporate taxes all by herself in her office. They don't have a finance office. They don't have accountants. When Eric Raymond left, they were like, oh, I'm sure this is all on the up and up. We'll just not do any kind of investigation into finances. Yeah. Yeah. It seems, at least for a moment, that Jem is in charge because uh, she tells Joni, don't worry, we're going to straighten out this mess. I'm in charge now. It's like, where were you a year ago? In order to pay for Bonnie's operation, Jerrica concedes that the holograms must finish the movie. And Jerrica meets with Eric to tell him that the band is back in the production. But, of course, Eric stipulates that if he were to allow this, it will have to be on his terms. And, of course, begrudgingly, Jerrica accepts Eric's terms because she's, you know, rather desperate in this situation. It sucks to be Jerrica right now. It really, really does. We all know how it's going to go. It's going to basically snowball. And yeah, everything goes downhill from here. And back at the movie studio, Eric breaks the news to the misfits that Gem and the Holograms are back in the movie, but assures Pizzazz it will be on his terms. Meanwhile, Clash argues with video that she shouldn't be wasting tape on the Holograms because they're conceited. And video accidentally divulges the true reason for the hologram's return. They are doing it to raise money to pay for Bonnie's eye surgery. You silly, silly girl. (laughs) Then all Clash does is run back to the misfits and tell them. And the misfits are like, oh my God, they can't leave no matter what we do. Let's be totally even more mean to them than we were being before. Like 20% more mean. You know, those, um, uh, I, I don't know, what are these, like, little tiny symbols that she's got strapped to her wrist? Do you think when she, like, runs down so the weird. hallway, she, like, skips and, like, bangs them together, like, all giddy-like? Probably. It seems like something she would do. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Clash is terrible. She is. And Clash explains to the Misfits that the true nature of why the holograms have to return to the movie production 
is because of what video said. So they decide to take advantage of the desperate financial situation the holograms are in uh, by ordering them around, starting with kicking them out of their own dressing room, which is uh, very convenient because this is a perfect opportunity to cut to a music video by the Misfits called Congratulations. What did the two of you think of the video and song? I wish the Misfits had more going on with their life than just like their only goal being to like push Jim and the holograms out of things. Like, I feel like I need to get these ladies some goals. I think these ladies need to not repeat the same word a million times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how many times problem. did they say congratulations? Congratulations to me. Congratulations. Yeah, it's, it gets a bit repetitive. It's a big grading to me. <laughs> I mean, it's a fun song, but yeah. it's I, I feel like this is this would be one of my top songs if it wasn't so repetitive. Like, the actual music is pretty good. The lyrics need a little bit of massaging, to put it lightly. But uh, yeah, I mean, the video is not anything spectacular or anything to write home about. There's nothing that really stands out, in my opinion. It's just like the video, what, like two or three episodes ago where the Misfits were celebrating because they triumphed over Jem and they're like being mean. Like that is their music video now in my mind. Yeah, I feel like that is 75% of all um, Misfits music videos is just we're being mean to Jem and we're triumphing over Jem. And I'm like, Ladies, get get some goals that don't have to do with other people. Like, get some goals that are just like mm-hmm. awesome. Here I am. I'm awesome. This is what I'm doing, and just not worry about that chick over there. But they mm-hmm. gotta worry about that chick over well, there. Well, the thing always. is, if they put half as much energy into their music instead of you know focusing on on Gem and the holograms, they might be able to write better music. This is true. There are times when I just wonder, who, why do people want to be around the misfits? I mean, it's there's stuff that happens later in the episode, which, you know, we'll get to. But the scene where Eric was like, here's what's going to happen and blah, blah, pizzazz this and pizzazz. And I was like, why does Eric care about pizzazz so deeply? Well, why do perfectly good people hang out with, you know, mean girls in high school? They have power. Exactly. I mean, they feel I guess... they feel included in a group, whereas by themselves they cannot stand alone. I guess so, but then I just maybe it has something to do with possess having a super rich father. But they're just days. So I'm like, why is Eric even bothered with these? Possess treats him like shit, right? Mm-hmm. So my my pet theory is that Eric likes to be dominated by women, and that's a whole other fan fiction on its own. <laughs> But it makes so much sense. It makes so much sense, doesn't it? I mean, he really, really puts up with a lot of crap through the entire three seasons of the show. So, I mean, in the later seasons, you get to see just the smidge of change in Eric's character because he seems to get more and more tired with the Misfits' behavior and the way that they are treating him. They never really carry it all the way through to the point where he's like, okay, I'm done with you. Clearly, I need a new venture because I'm not going to be able to get what I want because I've been putting up with your crap for three years. I always hope they kind of would carry that sort of character arc all the way through and just have him like, okay, I'm going to go do something else. And that actually would have been cool. Had the series had gone on, 
the way I would have done it is that Eric just moves on to something else or he gets arrested or goes to jail or whatever. And then I think that would have been a cool opportunity to have someone else come in, a new character perhaps, or even like, I mean, the Misfits would need a new manager, but uh, I don't know. It kind of would have been cool to see the Misfits succeed a bit because then, I mean, Jim and the Holograms can kind of do their thing. I mean, there could still be the rivalry, but I don't know. It just, how long can you have that rivalry go on? Until um, someone's dead. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I lived through high school. I know. I know. So this is interesting what happens next. And this is something that uh, came up in part one of, of uh, episode six. But completely ignoring the perfectly handsome Jeff. I don't get this. This is something I think Temp has brought up in the last episode. Like, Kimber is surrounded by these good looking guys. And she she just rebuffs the nice guy and goes after the guy that just has no interest in her. And on top of that, he's an asshole. It's true. And I think it would, it, it would kind of, it, it makes some sense only because this Nick person is like a super famous actor. Um, so, you know, it's like if, if Russell Crowe is standing in front of you and Russell Crowe's stunt double is standing on the other side of you, you're going to pay attention to some Russell Crowe. I mean, it's, and I know that basically what they're trying to do is they're trying to like give girls a lesson about being shallow and, and Kimber is being super shallow. But the thing is, is that what makes it worse and what makes you kind of be like, Kimber, what are you doing? Is that she continually is like, Oh my God, this guy. And he's continually rude to her. It's not even just that he ignores her or is like, cause it would be different if he was just kind of like, Oh yeah, I'm going to humor you, whatever, whatever. No, he is like super rude to her. And she is still like, Oh, I can't wait to be around this guy again. And I'm telling you, if Russell Crowe was rude to me, I'd kick him in the face, but that's just me. <laughs> Jeff, uh, in, in this moment, uh, says, glad you're back, Kimber. And then she just like turns and looks at Nick and she's like, hi, Nick, did you miss me? And then Jeff's like, excuse me while I go talk to the wall. <laughs> and Nick's like, oh, you were gone. Right. Like, just, he's so terrible to her. Mm-hmm. Kimber, have self-esteem. Come on. Yeah, she's lacking the self-esteem. And, it, it, you know, it just, uh, it's so frustrating because she's like this for most of the entire um, episode, but um, but moving on, and we'll we'll come back to that in in a little bit. In the studio hallway, uh, we see Rio tell Jem that he's surprised that she didn't have more pride. Now, I'm only going to assume that he's talking about her son return to the production of the movie. Is that is that what you, what you guys uh, concluded? Yes, yeah. But it doesn't make him any less of a complete and utter jerk. Right. Well, the thing is, is um, th- I mean, first of all, their their conversation is cut short by Pizzazz, um, who is like, "Rio, darling, I need you." She just sounds, <laughs> oh god, so funny. But uh, but he doesn't know the reason, the real reason why. I mean, granted, there's no excuse for kind of the way he talks to her. But he doesn't really know that Bonnie needs surgery at this right. point. Right. But here's the other thing. So Rio is upset with Jim because of Jeff, blah, 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 whatever. He's still dating Jerrica. He hasn't talked to Jerrica. He hasn't called Jerrica to be like, yo, what's up, Jerrica? 
you know, Jim left that movie and I'm super sad. Do you need some support from me? I know this was important to you. No. Oh, okay. I'm not going to call you on the phone to find out that one of your daughters needs surgery. And so once again, I'm like, Rio is a jerk. He hasn't called anybody to find out what's going on. He's been hanging around a movie set pizzazz this entire time. What is wrong with you? Ah, yeah, there's no excuse for there's that. No excuse for Rio at any point. <laughs> so moving on, uh, reduced to Eric Raymond's assistant, Eric calls for Jessica to bring him a cup of coffee. Oh dear, how degrading. But Jerrica is put into a difficult situation where Eric demands Jem's presence as well. But of course, Jerrica has to stay by her side and she just barely manages to whisper into her earrings that synergy should create a hologram of Jim and uh, Eric naturally falls for the illusion and proceeds to block the scene that they need to film and Eric sets up an intimate scene with the idea that Nick is going to kiss her but then Pizzazz enters the room and he is basically completely blown away by her and instead drops Jem like an old sack of potatoes and goes running over to Pizzazz and kisses her. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've walked into a room and a guy's been about to kiss another girl and he's just been like, oh, I'm going to go over there to Aline and kiss her instead. Right. It's this. Yeah. Is, yeah. This is such a common thing. It is. And, and <laughs> so that. That and also, can we talk about this movie for a minute? Can we talk about what this movie is supposed to be about? Because there's this casino <laughs> scene. And then in another scene, Jem is like in some peasant outfit in the jungle running right. across a log. <laughs> and then later on, Kimber and Nick are like driving through explosions on on motorcycles. But then like, and then... Right, and then in another scene, like, there's a bunch of sword fighting happening, and there may be pirates. Like, what is this movie about? What is this movie supposed to be about? This movie is going to be worse than Tommy Wiseau's The Room. <laughs> but what I found really, really funny was when the cameras stopped rolling, apparently Nick was not uh, happy at all with that kiss because he says one word, terrible. <laughs> He could have said that. That wasn't that great. Or, you know, let, let's see. Not, and not just terrible. It was terrible. <laughs> oh, Nick. What a dick. <laughs> I felt bad for Pizzazz. I did feel a little bad for Pizzazz. But, like, basically, everything about what was going on in that scene was just like, why would anyone do Okay. <laughs> right. And, you know, for a split second, it seemed like Pizzazz's feelings were a bit hurt. And clearly, she wasn't entirely happy by that. And who would? And she decides to ask clash to do something for her to get revenge uh clash mixes up uh some of the call sheets to confuse and delay the holograms from showing up at the right location and on time and this brings us to the next music video which is by gem and the holograms called show me the way i have to say i really like this song yeah it was not a bad song yeah it's cool i mean show me the way has never been one of my favorites but at least what's, what's cool about this video is that even though some clearly like fantastical music video stuffs are happening, they're actually showing like what's happening in the story. We didn't just stop the story to sing this song. It's, it's actually a montage, which is pretty fun. 
I, I like that, and this is not the first time they, they have done that. I have noticed in other videos, and we haven't actually really talked about that, how that occasionally we get a video where they're kind of intertwining not only those, like you said, fantastical elements, but they're, they're weaving in bits of what's actually happening in that moment, except obviously there's no dialogue, it's just the song kind of playing through the little you know, interspersed scenes of what's actually happening in reality. It's pretty cool. When the holograms eventually discover where they're supposed to be, Eric refuses to hear their reason for their tardiness and decides to dock them a day's pay. What a nice man. Can't do that. It's against union rules. There's so many things going on against union rules in this, <laughs> in this picture. This whole entire production is questionable, but I mean, we could talk for days about about all the things wrong with that. But it does accomplish one thing because the makeup people who've been gossiping about them this whole time are like, well, why do they need money? He's like, let me tell you. <laughs> totally. This is just like adding fuel to the fire, right? For them. But then, you know, they're going to learn that it's all because of a little girl and her eyes. It's very sweet. At the beginning of the next major scene for Starbright, Jem projects a hologram of Jerrica to assist Eric but when he tosses her a script, it goes right through her. And of course, they need to create a distraction somehow. And Aja leaves the cage she's in and tells Pizzazz that Jem is still <laughs> in two more scenes than her. Pizzazz's bruised ego takes another beating while she demands Eric remove Jem from the scene. And just in the nick of time, Jem switches back to Jerrica and hands Eric the script before raising any suspicion at all and of course eric just does whatever pizzazz does so jem is out of that scene i was gonna say i enjoyed how jem was facing one way and when <laughs> the i was she... waiting for you to say that because i noticed that <laughs> was so i was like wait what a minute she was she was over there how did she yeah so basically like jim is facing i don't know uh i guess to be right and then the hologram is facing left and Jim like just like tells Synergy to that that the Jericho hologram can go away and you know whatever and she's facing the opposite way she was and it's just weird. Yeah, there, there's another thing too. Jerica, when the hologram of Jerica appears, she literally appears in the middle of the room, and I'm like, wait a minute, are right. we not even like pretending right. to like cover this crap up now? And then when they do that switch, where does that switch happen? Because that also feels like it happens in the middle of the room. It doesn't feel like anybody's being careful. <laughs> you know, no. there's like a ton of people <laughs> around. Somebody's going to notice. Joe, the cinematographer, is going to notice. Isn't that kind of the... like ladies appearing? <laughs> Isn't that kind of the theme, though? Like nobody's paying attention. Nobody's like nobody's <laughs> thinking things through. It I seems to be not. the theme of Jim and the Holograms. Pretty much. And, you know, Tempest, you, you brought up how, you know, this movie, um, you know, we, we talked about how this movie has all sorts of crazy scenes that don't seem to kind of gel together, um, like the casino scene and then, you know, later on the, the weird jungle scene. And, and the next scene, um, it's and we only see it for a moment, but uh, there's this like swashbuckling scene that they're, I guess, rehearsing. And they they decide to break for lunch, 
and Rio catches Jerrica's attention and explains the gem isn't worth his time. And once again, Rio's internal struggle to determine who he wants to spend his time with, uh, Jerrica or the illustrious gem. Jerrica does not take this very well. No, she does not. She she calls him buddy. Like, listen, buddy, I asked Jem <laughs> to come and take it. You just need to get away from me and f you. <laughs> she l- let me just uh, so the, I I, wrote, I actually wrote that dialogue down because I, I thought it was hilarious. She she says, "Let me make something perfectly clear, Buster." Jem is here because I asked her to come back and take Eric's humiliation. Because Bonnie needs an operation. And do me a favor. Don't come crying back to me just because Jem does something you don't like. And Rio's like, what did I say? Rio is the stupidest person <laughs> in the entire, entire universe. And, but once again, what I love about this scene is that this what is more evidence that they're in a poly triad because basically he's like, I'm complaining about my second girlfriend to my first girlfriend. And my first girlfriend is having none of it because she knows that I'm just a jerk. He broke the number one cardinal rule. Right. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, Jem's not worth my time. What? Excuse me. He is a good example of like a stereotypical dumb man. You know, I don't know from whose perspective, but it's just like, ah, uh, Okay, I look, I know guys that are like that, but it just seems kind of sexist. Like, so many men in this show are just like, say stupid things, and they're like, oh, what's her problem? You know? And I think it falls into that, like, stereotype that guys are supposed to have about girls, too. Like, oh, I know what'll make Jerrica feel better. If I talk, you know, if I say horrible things about Jem, then Jerrica's going to feel really good about the status of our relationship, you know? (laughs) And kind of that, that whole thing, like, how women and girls are supposed to, like, trash talk each other and and be snide. It kind of feels like it's playing into that trope, too. It is, and I, and I think, again, we have to, you know, we have to accept that this is, you know, a product of the, uh, you know, television in the 1980s is that, like, not just for men, but for women as well, the, the relationships and the dynamics and the personalities very much to me come across as, like, for women, it's it's like, you know, it's the, the overreacting kind of I, I, women that don't just... Uh, flat out tell you what's wrong they're gonna make you keep guessing and then from the male's perspective like oh i i didn't say anything wrong i i don't understand why she she, she's overreacting she's hysterical you know from both of those sides but the the good thing that can be said is that very often this show like rejects the notion that just because girls are supposed to be catty about each other that they are like the misfits and the holograms are always you know catty about each other and whatnot but, you know, it's not very often that the the holograms get catty with each other about, like, stupid things. As Rio thought, he could come over and just complain about Jem to Jerrica and then she'd be so happy. I don't know why he would think that. They're supposed to be friends. He's a yeah, dumb, he's, terrible person. He's, yeah. I just figured it out. The first episode, when he, like, gets electrocuted, this is the result. This is what happens when you get electrocuted. <laughs> It's all. It all makes so much more sense now. We're on to now everybody's favorite um, crazy scene that makes no sense. Uh, while blocking a dangerous scene involving Jem crossing a ravine, Nick decides to use a stunt double while Jem is refused one without having to pay for it herself. 
But this scene contains absolutely no safety measures, no safety net, no fall bag. Eric fires the director after he refuses to film without safety precautions. And Eric decides to take over directing duties. No, no, no. He fired the cinematographer. Oh, it was, Eric the, was cinematogra- the director. Right. Okay. He had fired Thank the you. director last episode. <laughs> that was confusing to me because I, wait, didn't he fire? I thought, yeah. Anyway. But see, what's interesting is that both the director and the cinematographer on this film were black men and Eric fired both of them. So I feel like Eric is racist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, that wouldn't surprise me. So Eric's taking on the directing duties, and how hard can that be, right? Uh, So when the cameras start rolling, something goes terribly wrong, and Jem almost falls to her death right before Rio saves the day, kind of like Tarzan comes swooping in on a vine. (laughs) That was so unrealistic. (laughs) Where's that vine attached to? You know, it's like, where's that? It just seemed kind of like attached to thin air. But anyway. Impressed by Rio, Jem seems to forgive him, I guess, and they end up kissing. So I guess that's that, right? Mm. <laughs> Not quite, but he did save the day that one time. Rio is actually really good. He's he's not good at being a boyfriend, but he's really good at saving Jem from like falling to her death. This is, this is like the third time it's happened a lot. So that's that's nice of him. You know, it's it's funny because he does all the all of these heroic things on the kind of spur of the moment, but then he gets electrocuted on a ladder while trying to do basic <laughs> home repair. <laughs> what? Yeah, Rio is a man. He's a complex man. He is a very complex person. <laughs> he needs that adrenaline. Like it's the mundane tasks that he's you know, it, it's that surge of adrenaline that I was going to say helps him not think so much, but that's not right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Luckily for the holograms, uh, video ended up filming the entire disaster and plans to get Eric into trouble. The misfits send Clash to retrieve the video before it's too late. And Clash gets her hands on a magnetic tape eraser from one of the video editors, thinking she will destroy the tape. But in a twist, video and the hologram swapped the true tape with a fake. Wanting to take the tape to the union, Jem refuses since the production would likely be shut down. And her reluctance infuriates Rio. Rio actually says, quote, And I thought you had brains. Huh, women. I hate Rio today. He's a, I'm blaming Rio for everything. Rio episode. All three of us, if he was a real person, simultaneous kick to the balls. Pretty much. Because, like, what are you, what are you doing? Jerrica just explained to you. She, she literally just explained to you that they need to do this movie so they can get an operation for Bonnie. And you are like, I just don't understand why you want to... Shut up. Just stop talking. <laughs> that would have been awesome if she was just like, shut up. <laughs> I thought it was worth your time. I mean, basically, just Rio needs to just fall off a cliff yeah at, i at think i think that purple dye went straight through his brain <laughs> and did some dad did some serious damage <laughs> something but yeah like he's and and i i i don't get it like i still don't get like why he's acting like this jerk like what does he once again like jerk could just explain to him why they're there so why does he feel the need to uh rio pacheco one of life's greatest mysteries scientists will never be able to fully comprehend (laughs) we're back at starlight house now and kimber is daydreaming about her upcoming scene with nick 
while the rest of the holograms admit that the movie isn't worth the risk. But of course, Jerrica insists it is uh, because Bonnie is relying on her eye surgery. And actually, she clarifies the movie isn't worth the risk, but Bonnie is worth the risk. Aww. In her bedroom, Bonnie questions Jerrica about when she'll receive her eye operation. And Jerrica tries to console her by telling her it will be very soon and then tucks her in. And she actually says, quote, Jem's going to take care of everything. I promise. It was very sweet. It was. The following day on location, Kimber comes to the stark realization. Uh, actually, I should just preface this and say this. This is kind of my own theory, but uh, it seemed like she came to a kind of a, a realization that Nick is not a nice person after he rejects a fan's request to sign an autograph in a rather rude manner. The reason why I came to that conclusion was just kind of, even though she had no words to say in that exact moment, it was just her reaction. She 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 seemed kind of taken aback by that. Like, I almost felt like it was kind of like the light bulb went on. She's like, whoa, this is not the guy I thought he was. I did wonder whoa. how that fan got on the set, though. That was also my first thing. I was like, if this random person has just run up on this set. And she's conveniently there to have Nick dismiss her and for Kimber to have a horrified look on her face. Mm -hmm. And uh, we get a new music video from Gentlemen the Holograms at this point, and it's called Love is Doing It to Me. And my initial reaction before the video even started was, Jim, love is not doing it to you. You are doing it to you. <laughs> right, because Kimber's not in love. She's just a fangirl. Mm -hmm. And so, like, no, she's not in love. It's not love doing it to her. It's being silly. What did you think of the uh, the video and the song in general? I watched this two hours ago, and I don't remember this. Okay, so it sucks. <laughs> it doesn't totally suck. Um, just listening to the music itself without the video, this is, um, I think it's actually a good song. And it, it doesn't apply here, but it applies elsewhere. So I think this is one of those songs where I feel like, they wrote it, and they were like, where are we going to put this? We'll put it right there. <laughs> Can I just say, once again, how awesome Britta Phillips is? Because when she says, show me way, show me the way the second time, she hits notes that I just, I, I really wish I could hit. Um, <laughs> but I know I would, yeah, I would sound like a chicken that's dying. <laughs> it's true. She does get really high on the song. It works out. Kimber finally seems to give Jeff the time of day after the video. And Jeff kind of quells Kimber's concerns about the scene that they're uh, going to film by rehearsing it with her. And he kind of goes over everything, like the explosions and the way everything's kind of being choreographed and set up. And Jeff asks Kimber, how about a kiss for luck? And she gives him a kiss on the cheek. And that seemed rather quick to me. Didn't you guys feel that was like kind of a quick turnaround? Or do you think she was just so disgusted with Nick? She's like, wow, I've come to my senses. No, I think it was just like a like a friendly thing. Yeah, like she was... Right, because it was a kiss on the cheek, right? It wasn't... Right. Yeah. Kimber is normally a very sweet person. So once again, it's I don't even know why she's just so freaking mean to Jeff. Like it could... I, I don't understand why she couldn't just be like nice to Jeff, but make it clear that she's like totally smitten with Nick. So... I don't know, but it just seemed like she was back to her old self again. Well, can we blame it on age? I mean, she's young. She's young, and I mean, it, that it did seem like an innocent 
kiss, right? I'm going to blame it on Rio. I'm blaming everything terrible on <laughs> this Rio. This episode, yeah. yeah Let's just you. go with that then. So in the next scene, Roxy tries to ingratiate herself with Jeff, I guess to make Kimber jealous. She ends up kissing Jeff and Jeff rebuffs her and they begin filming a scene involving a very dangerous motorcycle stunt. And when the camera rolls, Clash sabotages the stunt, causing an explosion to go off prematurely, putting Kimber in harm's way. And we end right there on a cliffhanger. Mm -hmm. And not only in harm's way, but she screams and reaches out to Nick. Help me, Nick! And he turns his back on her like the coward he is. Mm Mm-hmm. Russell Crowe, you're a terrible person. <laughs> well, let's uh, let's move on to some trivia for episode seven. Uh, so there are just about four points I wanted to quickly point out here. Again, you know, a recurring thing on this show is animation mistakes. And uh, that tradition continues uh, today uh, because Jerrica's outfit loses the pink stripes that go white and the sash has changed from red to white. Uh, she's also dropped her hat, so that's weird. Mm. That hat was ugly anyway. It's true. Right. Well, not the first time uh, Gem has worn something questionable, even for the 80s. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, you know, the, uh, Tempest, I think this is this is your favorite, but uh, Kimber's hair once again turns pink when the holograms are about to re-enter the movie studio. I don't understand why they can't deal with her hair. There's also a moment when, when the holograms are in the cage in that scene where Pizazz is like, get her out of the cage. When they open the cage door to let Jem out, um, for some reason, Shayna's hair is like this weird sort of ghostly Ooh. purple instead of real purple. And I was like, what happened to Shayna's face or her hair? When the explosions go off near the end there um, at the motorcycle stunt, Jem's hair momentarily turns blue. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. There's somebody who's asleep with the ink. And just the last one here, uh, so near the beginning of Love is Doing It To Me, Aja's outfit is shown to have sleeves. I didn't catch this one. It must have been, like, just way too quick for, for most people to notice. Sleeves yeah. or not? Look, nobody wants sleeves. Come on, California. I hope Rio is better in the next episode. Uh, yeah, that's not happening. No? <sighs> he's just... Here's the thing. Rio... <laughs> he's going to go on a Rio bender and he's going to grow purple stubble. <laughs> Right. There we go. Like, <laughs> Rio sometimes gets better, but, like, overall, they are not painting Rio to be, like, the best boyfriend material here ever. No. And I, I actually forget how he even redeems himself, or if he redeems himself. But I feel like, you know, not long into the future, he's, like, kicking plants. Like, just, ugh, Rio is such a problem. I feel like there needs to be a post called, like, why you do, do not want your boyfriend to be like Rio Pacheco. Speaking of Rio, uh, one thing that we didn't mention was, why the hell doesn't Rio have purple hair in the right? movie? Come on, not even a streak. Yeah. Okay, fine. You don't, you don't want him to have bright purple hair? Fine. Even dark purple hair would have been okay. Yeah. One streak. Something. Some kind of nod to the original character design. Nothing. Nothing. It's because these people hate us. <laughs> I mean, Pravana Violet dye is would be perfect. What if halfway through the movie there's some kind of stressful situation where Rio is just like losing his mind and then suddenly his hair turns purple from the stress. That would be beautiful. <laughs> I would And I would everybody see that. will have a single tear rolling down their cheek. 
during that moment. I don't want him to have purple stress hair, though. I want him to have purple awesome hair. Mm-hmm. So do I. Yeah. I mean, I'll take stress hair over over brown hair, but... So, Aline, where can people find... You know what? Scratch that. I, I, I heard people are getting tired of the same old... So, where can we find you on the internet? And I need something. I need something new that's not done on every podcast. Aline, do you exist on the internet? <laughs> are you a deep, person? Such a Can you question. prove that you are not an android or a Cylon? Uh, I I cut myself making dinner and I bled. Does that would that be like photographic evidence of pictures or it didn't happen? <laughs> Next time I injure myself, I will take a picture. Good. Okay. All it right. won't be long. Okay. All right. So, so you do exist on the internet. Where Where do you exist? I don't even know what's happening anywhere. I'm, I'm on Twitter at Aline, A-L-E-E-N. And then I also have a podcast I do every week where I talk to cool people about their cool projects. And, and that's it. Less than or equal dot com. Um, and then I also have a Patreon at patreon.com slash Aline. All right. And Tempest. Do you exist on the internet? Are you human or a Cylon? I I only exist on the internet. I don't exist outside of the internet. The internet was invented and then I came into being and it was glorious. So Tempest is the original synergy. I am the original synergy. So you're in the yeah. matrix? I'm in the matrix. I I sometimes visit the Twitter part of the matrix. And I tweet there at Tiny Tempest. And then sometimes I visit the WordPress part of the matrix and I'm there at ktempestbradford.com. And there's probably going to be somewhere in the matrix of the internet where I post about why I hate this trailer so much and how it's ruining everything. So if you keep an eye on my Twitter, you will probably find that rant somewhere. All right. Well, uh, it looks like we are in for part three, Starbright Rising Star. And if I am not mistaken, I think this is the conclusion in this little miniseries. I think so. So we'll see what happens. Hopefully uh, Bonnie gets her vision or at least uh, they're able to save whatever little vision she has left. I'm telling you, they she, they got to give her Jordy's visor. <laughs> That'd be so cool. Well, that's it for now, folks. We will see you back next week. <laughs>